powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. It's March Mania at Sports Interaction. NHL, NBA, March Madness, MLB, and so much more. It's bananas. You can play Pinata Picks and Minute Madness, exclusive games with insane odds that you can't play anywhere else. Make your next bet with Sports Interaction. Download the app in Ontario, use the QR code at the bottom of the screen, or head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN to get started. 19 plus, please play responsibly. It's, it's March Mania Whoops, always play that twice. Hey everyone, and welcome to Game Over Vancouver. I am your host, Canuck Clay, Clay Emo, on a night where the Vancouver Canucks lost. They lost to the visiting Los Angeles Kings, a team that they can usually beat quite handily, but it wasn't tonight. The Canucks lose 4-1 to the visitors. And not only that, we saw the debut of Akito Hirose. I love those half-Japanese guys that come in the league. And we also saw the end of Elias Pettersson's 14-game point streak. So I'm not here all alone, but before I introduce my guests, I want to invite you to like this stream to subscribe to the sdpn channel we cover all seven canadian teams with these game over shows and uh in fact i think tonight we're also making history that we started last night right after this the timing's gonna be so good you can go over to another sdpn show we're doing a, our second sdpn game over wrestlemania uh, it's okay if you're not a wrestling fan i am i'm not afraid to admit that but i'll i'll pump that up at the end so right it's, it's gonna be perfect we're gonna go for 40 minutes here and then that show is gonna start at about 8.30. But before we get to all that, I want to introduce you to my guest. I'm so thrilled to have him on. I tried to get him on a couple of weeks ago. It didn't work, but it works tonight. So please welcome my friend, Stefan Roger of Canucks Army. Stefan, welcome. Hey, Clay. Thanks for having me. And uh, sorry for playing hard to get for a little bit there. You know, it's uh, just a little bit of a power move on my part. It's all right. If it if I didn't like you so much, I, I get upset. But how how can I? Before we get started, can you tell everyone just quickly a bit about yourself and where you write, where you do your work, and where they can find you on social? Hey, uh, yeah, thanks. So uh, I write from uh, way up here in the north, uh, you know, on uh, Clay de Tenay land, otherwise known as Prince George. But uh, you can find everything I do over on Canucks Army, which kind of has exclusive rights to me these days. So. Uh, yeah, you know, Quadrelli runs a tight ship, and uh, I'm happy to be one of the uh, one of the oarsmen on it. Awesome. If they, uh, someone wants to follow you on Twitter and your good work, what's your actual? Is it your full name, right? It is just Stefan Roger. Yeah, it's uh, one of the nice things about having a made up name is you can uh, get it on Twitter without the underscore numbers or anything. So, just uh, first name, last name. Awesome. So that's S T E P H A N R O G E T. Stefan Roger on Twitter. That's yes, right. and I've been. I, I'm not just BSing you. I said this to you when we did our little tech test in the second intermission. Obviously, I need to do more rehearsing. Uh, that wasn't the smoothest thing ever. But I've been following your work for a good four or five years now. I, I respect the work of CanucksArmy.com, truly. But I, I really like your work, Stefan, because uh, I, I said this to you before. You're a smart guy, I can tell. Yet you don't write in a way that makes people not as smart not feel as smart. So uh, thank you for doing that in, in particular. Do you have a... Do you have a particular angle or, or a style that you like to emulate or, or take on Canucks Army? Or is it is it positive? Is it negative? Is it stats-driven? Is it more eye test? Like, generally, what's your bread and butter over there? Um, You know, I don't know that I have one. 
you you write for long enough and, and people will talk about you know what your angle is or your agenda is but uh you know a lot of the times i kind of just wake up in the morning and have a idle thought in my head and uh look around for a bit and see what's interesting and uh see what pops out and then uh it's always fascinating afterwards you know sometimes i'll have like you know, an idle thought and look up a stat and, you know, it goes a certain way. And I think, well, that's interesting. That's worth writing about all, you know, kind of just a, a passing thought. And then you'll get a comment that's like, clearly the spin you've put on this is uh, all a part of your anti whatever or pro whatever agenda. And it's like, well, I guess it's, or it's a thing I thought of at six 30 in the morning. <laughs> well, that's pretty funny. We'll get to one of those things in a few minutes, but let's break down this game before we actually talk about the goals and, stats and streaks broken NHL debuts. What'd you think of this game overall for game number 76 of the season for the Vancouver Canucks? Uh, you know, it's hard to come away from any of these games with too concrete of a thought. Um, yeah. I think uh, my reaction to almost every play positive or negative in the Canucks games these days is that, uh, you know, that, that Larry David gif, it's kind of a cliche, but the one from Curb Your Enthusiasm where he's doing the like, <laughs> you know, back and forth reaction. It's that, you know, the Canucks score and you're like, yeah, oh, well, you know, that might hurt the tank and the Bedard odds and whatever. But like, I still rather see them score and win than not. So, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, you know, so it's uh, functionally and practically speaking, it's okay that they lost. Uh, But I would have liked to at least see the streak continue for Pedersen. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And we're two smart guys, two good looking guys, goes without saying. I, I think we know, we're smart enough to know what every point or point uh, point given or not given means in the standings. We know the, what the the big prize could be, but yes, we're fans. And you're right. When Besser scored that first goal, I admit I, I gave myself a big pump fist, uh, fist pump, I should say, or pump fist, whatever you want to call it. I cheered, and then as LA's looked to be the stronger team, you could tell one of those teams is going to the playoffs, and one of the team just can't wait for the for the season to end. Is that fair to say? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you're playing the motivational game, then LA is playing to secure their spot in, you know, the 2023 Stanley Cup playoffs. Very exciting. And the Canucks are, uh, you know, playing to not get eliminated until uh, Tuesday. So those are just very different ball games. You know, it's kind of harder to do a a pump-up speech in the change room for uh, staving off elimination for another two days. So, uh, yeah, you know, LA obviously came out a little bit harder and with a little bit more to play for, and yeah, that's to be expected. They are a pretty good hockey team. They are indeed, and I love the the use of your the word um, "staving" as obviously that, that's really good. So let's let's talk about the the goals real quick. Besser, if you remember this one, it was actually a, a nice play. Hughes gains his own, but it goes to all three fours. Did you step to Miller? Miller takes the shot. And then uh, Besser's in the right place at the right time. Uh, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about Besser in a few minutes, but uh, he's really picked up his, his scoring a little bit, hasn't he? And he's just overall had, I think, a quietly good season, better than most people would expect, without giving away everything for the second segment. Is that uh, what you think of that goal? And is it kind of par for the course for what he's been up to the last 20 games or so? Yeah, uh, it's interesting. I mean, when you talk about like things to root for late in the season, I think everybody's still rooting for Brock Besser to some extent, right? So to see him score is is always a positive, regardless of the game situation. Um, he's had a really interesting year. Earlier today, I was looking at the uh, just the game logs on NHL.com for a season because I, I kind of had it stuck in my head that he had had, I guess, a slow start to the season. And then you look at he you know, he had like, uh, points and I think his first five games and uh, you know he he's he's been more or less consistent scoring wise throughout the season 
I think it's with the uh, the old patented eye test where you see that he's had these real ups and downs uh, throughout the season. But he's definitely ending on a high note, which is positive for uh, a number of reasons I think we'll get into shortly. Yes, awesome, awesome. So Canucks are up one nothing, but then just seven minutes later, it's uh, I will follow him. No, I'll follow. I, I can barely say this guy's name. I, you'll see. I, I, I butcher everyone's names. I set the Japanese yeah. guys, which we'll get to. Yeah, so um, I follow had himself a good game in that first goal. Um, it was four and four actually. The Canucks were just taken off of a power play. The LA Kings hadn't started theirs yet, and it was the vaunted. I'm not blaming them, but the Stadnika and Oman line were out there, and I saw a bit of confusion between Niels Oman and Ethan Bear. In fact, after the goal went in, uh, I followed with a nice shot. Uh, Ethan Bear took a quick, quick look over his shoulder, and I think he was kind of wondering, um, you know, how were both of us over here, and no one was taking this guy. Yeah, it uh, it didn't look great for those two, uh, which is probably not ideal because, you know, they're definitely playing for roster spots next year when it comes to uh, Oman and Stanika. But uh, I had an interesting thought at the time, actually, is that mm. there there must be some camera person whose job it is to assign blame for a goal against and find Because I don't know if you noticed it. It goes straight to Niels Oman and it, it tracks him as he skates to the bench with his head down. And that ha- seems to happen very often. So I think there must be someone who is like the the scapegoat finder on each goal. Just get that camera on the person who feels bad right now. That is a great point, Stefan. It's, it's formulaic. The puck goes in. It'll usually be a shot to our bench, right? To see Tockett looking at the, mm-hmm. the iPad that's embedded mm-hmm. in his bench. Then it'll go to, right, the scapegoat. So we need the scapegoat finder. And then maybe Demko swigging some water. And then finally to the goal scorer. (laughs) Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, you'll get, uh, you know, two or three shots of LA fans uh, interspersed throughout the the audience. They've got them ready. They've got a camera person on them right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Actually, and it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, Peek behind the curtain for everyone watching on Game Over right now. My son, Sean, was at a game where he was sitting in the row behind one of the cameramen for Sportsnet. And then the cameraman just kind of left one of his sheets kind of um, in his workstation or on, I don't know if Sean actually reached over and grabbed it, but it's really interesting. So on this cameraman sheet, I don't think I'm saying anything I I can't. He had basically, um, you know, pictures of every single player and every single coach. And then he had certain players that he was supposed to focus on. So whenever this line was on the ice, it, it's this guy whenever so yeah i i guess the if there's a producer there that's got all these spreadsheets and he'll know exactly camera four is on oman or camera six is on dakota or whatever so that's a really good point i think it makes the scapegoat finding a little bit easier it's, it's interesting then because that means like i i don't think we're gonna go as far as to suggest that the nhl is uh uh rigged or pre-plans its uh plot lines i know the nfl had a little bit of a of a thing with that this year um but they must sit down in a pre-production meeting and talk about tonight's storylines and narratives like they would before, you know, any reality show and uh, put it up on the board and go, you know, we, we're, we're going to do the, uh, we're going to do the Connor Garland subplot tonight and really focus on that. So get a camera on him at all times and see what he does. That's a great point. That's a great point. Well, they should have had an, I'll follow uh, camera because he scores a second. This one was a bit messy. This was on the power play. The Kings uh, don't waste any time. And a bit uh, Arvidsson puts that really hard shot basically through Demko. And then there was a bit of a scramble. It was uh, Pedersen. It was Bear. I think, uh, you know, not two of the strongest guys. So it's not, they could muscle anyone out. But, um, yeah, I didn't even know how hard, how much of a stick I followed got on that puck. Did you see that, Stefan? Uh, yeah, I mean, it didn't look like much. It was, it was kind of a wild scramble. And, uh, 
I don't think it was Demko's fault by any stretch of the imagination. You know, when you've got three defenders in front of you and the puck still ends up on the other team's stick, that's, yeah. you know, never on the goal. I, I think uh, tonight Demko was probably, I don't know if I want to say hung out to dry. That's probably a bit extreme, but uh, his team probably did him uh, fewer favors than usual, yeah. I would say. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're looking at the defense core, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second. as one of the big stories with all the defensemen uh, that are injured. But yeah, they're well, really... You could argue those are three of six only were regulars. And then, um, and yeah, so, but we'll get to that. So then it's 2-1 mm-hmm. going, going to the third. And then it's Kaliev who scores. And this one was kind of unfortunate. It, I, I think it, it looked innocent enough. It was a two-on-two. And it was um, Jack Rathbone. And who was his defense partner in that one? Was it Burroughs? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. But I do, uh, yeah, I do remember the initial I shot. I took note of that. Yeah, it goes off of Rathbone. He actually makes a good block, but then the puck just bounces back in the middle. Now all four guys are basically tied up, and Kelly have good job in following his own shot and uh, puts it past Demko. Again, not Demko's fault, but a good, another, uh, much like the second goal, another kind of in front of the net, greasy goal by the Kings. Mm-hmm. And maybe that goes back to the Kings just playing wanting it more like we were talking about at the outset there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then a fourth goal, we don't have to say spot. too much. It was an empty netter by Lazar. Every time they said Lazar's name, I kept thinking Lazar, but I said, no, Lazar's hurt and he doesn't play for the Kings. So a 4-1 victory. It uh, wasn't the most inspiring hockey, uh, but um, Pedersen, yeah, I guess a couple of the main stories line. One of them was Pedersen trying to break or tie the record of 15 straight games of point with Peter Nedved, one of my favorite players, and Todd Bertuzzi. And uh, yeah, he just... It wasn't just him. It just seemed like you're you're kind of right. The Canucks didn't have a lot in the tank. Uh, we talked about the defensive zone maybe hanging Demko out to dry. But even the offensive zone, I, I think Besser actually was quite dangerous. He had a lot of... Yeah, he shoots the puck so hard that he, you can always hear it like smash against the boards behind the, behind the goalie. But overall, I didn't know if any of Canucks players, including Petey, had a lot of good chances. Well, because Demko had that one, but uh, not a lot of offense for the team. Uh, what do you think of that? Yeah, they just seem to be... Uh... I guess frustrated a lot in yeah. in their attempts. Um, you, you especially felt it at the end, as uh, I'm sure Pedersen started to feel that point streak start to slip away. Like, um, you know, sometimes point streaks, you think like who really matters? It's kind of this innocuous thing, you know, points in a row. Who who really cares? But uh, I think it matters to the players, and I think Pedersen was clearly aware on some level that he was, you know, potentially chasing a, a franchise record, and you could see the the squeezing of the stick a little bit more as the game progressed, and especially with the the goalie pulled at the end. It was one of those things where like they, they pulled the goalie, but they were clearly trying for, for Patterson there. I think there was a moment. I, I'm, I hope I'm not misremembering this, but where Hughes uh, with the goalie pulled, had the puck in the slot and very clearly could have taken a shot, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm imagining this. They almost like calculated. Okay. No, it's been two touches since Patterson. We got to get it back to him before we make any shot attempts. Cause we're really going for the streak. And if you know, Miller and Besser touched it in between, it's no good. We got to reset and get it back to Patterson. It's that's how it felt to me anyway. So, no, you know, it's funny. You mentioned that Stefan. that I felt the same way. I, I didn't count it with as much detail, but you could certainly as the, yeah, two and a half minutes left. PD basically didn't change until the empty net or he, yeah, just kind of stayed there and, uh, yeah, that's a really, really good point. It would be nice. It's just, a, it's a, it'll be another nice story in, uh, you know, in a in a season where there weren't a lot of good stories, quite frankly. Now, yeah, but yes. it's you know, it's it's just numbers. It's just stats at the end of the day. It's yeah. uh, not something we're going to remember too much one sure. way or another. So, tell me, what do you think of the debut of Akito Hirose? Um, you know, 
it's kind of a cliche with the uh especially with a young uh defensively minded player to say you didn't notice him at all and that to be like the ultimate compliment you always want to say like these um but i did actually notice him uh a couple of times Hirose, is that uh yeah so that's the correct pronunciation you know, i saw you had a tweet on this <laughs> it's so funny because i i'm totally not that guy usually i but there's two things i got hung up on stefan and, and many of the viewers will know this one of them is the difference between interpreter versus translator I'm not, I'm not going to test you. Interpreter, I learned, is verbal and speaking, whereas translator is written. So anytime Kratsov or Podkolzin are speaking for Kuzmenko, they are interpreting for him, not translating. So that's just a small, small thing I've noticed. Every, sure. every media member except uh, Baron Basher gets that wrong. But the, the one tonight is, yeah, there's no uh, C. There's no, it's, although his name's spelled S-E, his last name, his last two letters, there's no uh, C sound in Japanese. So it's either... A she, uh, which is S-I, but it's S-H-I, like sushi. Or in this mm-hmm. case, it's se. So it's hirose is is the... So okay. that's, that's the Japanese language uh, lesson for today. But yeah, actually, I'll, I, I'll give you my two cents. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'll give you my two cents. And then I'd love to know what you thought. I thought there's only what, there's only one play at the start of the third where it was poor. You might remember he, he got stripped at the line um, and then it, they went in for a chance. But there are more than a couple of times where he made a really nice uh, deft backhand pass behind his own net to Myers on the other side, or he looked like he was going to try and skate it out of trouble. And then just a quick pivot and then going out the other side, it, it just, um, I really noticed. I, I, it's not, I wasn't trying to look for him to be good just because I wanted him to be good. I actually thought he, he showed a lot of composure for his first game. Yeah, I think composure is probably the word. Like there were a couple of times I noticed him have the puck in the corner and be under fairly heavy pressure. I mean, the LA Kings are are quite a. Well, am I glitching on your end there? I look like I'm glitching on my end. Oh yeah, you're I'm fine back. now. Yeah, you're good. Okay, we're that look like a good dance move. Uh, though. <laughs> thank you. I was like, whoa! I do not feel like I'm I'm twitching that much here. Uh, no, uh, there were a couple of times where he was like the LA Kings are a really good floor checking team. They're, they're young, they're fast, they're huge. They've got some really big bodies there. And there were a couple of times where, um, you know, he's not the largest person in the world, Hirose. Yeah. Um, but he was under a lot of pressure and he still maintained uh, composure and he kept hold of the puck and made a couple of spins away from a, a very large, very fast floor checking LA King. And that's pretty impressive in your first NHL game to go from, you know, being in the NCAA a couple of weeks ago, which is, yeah. you know, fine competition, but it's certainly not the NHL, yep. to uh, the LA Kings coming at you hard in the corner and you're still keeping your head about you, that's fairly impressive, I would say. I would agree with you, Stefan. And uh, I guess I was wrong about it being Kyle Burles with with um, with Jack Rappel in the third Kings goal because Burles is the only defenseman who actually ended up with a plus one. So um, it was, okay. actually, Bear was a minus two, so maybe it was him. And then, Hirose, as we talked about, was actually was zero. It was it was even with one hit, two blocks. He also had one shot attempt, but it did go it did go wide. So here's the last thing I'll say about this game. We'd love your thoughts on it, and then we can move on to some of your work. Is yeah, I, I, the defense when you're uh, you heard the stat. There's 15 different defensemen that have been used this year, uh, which is pretty crazy, and that includes guys that have been traded like Shannon Stillman. So um, yeah, mm-hmm. three three guys with Ronick out, and there's three guys basically that you say are bona fide NHLers in, in Hughes, Bear, and Myers. And then you have Hirose making his debut, Kyle Burrows, a, a journeyman, but a, a solid one. And then, of course, um, um, the missing one. Oh, yeah, Jack Rathbone, who who 
yeah. you still want to give a chance to it. Yeah, you know, that left side, I, I kind of tweeted about it, I, kind of sarcastically, but still, there. I know it's a lot of no, it's not a lot of experience, but in Hughes, Hirose, and and Rathbone, you got actually three decent skaters on the left. I'm not saying that they're the best defensemen ever, but at least you, you, you can get the puck out of your own end now. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm still, it's it's definitely way too early to say on Hirose. Like, yeah. well, uh, that'll take time. It's yeah. The odds are stacked against any NCAA signing, even though he, he looks like a pretty, uh, you know, pretty skilled one. Uh, I'm still pretty bullish on Jack Rathbone, personally. Um, I think Canucks fans got a little, uh, well, I should be careful with my words here, uh, overprivileged when it came to prospects hitting the scene very well and smoothly transitioning into the NHL. I mean, of course, you've got uh, Besser, Patterson, Hughes three years in a row. Uh, but even players like uh, Hoaglander came in and and transitioned very cleanly into, into full-time NHL time as a rookie. And uh, so when a player comes in and struggles at first, uh, it might seem surprising. And, you know, you had a lot of people write Rathbone off as a bust after just a couple false starts at the NHL. But most players take a couple false starts at the NHL, never mind a, you know, a skilled, somewhat undersized defender. Um, I think he's looked great since coming up. You know, he had a he had a good season down in Abbotsford. He was one of the I think he was one of the top scoring under 24 players in the AHL, not just defenders like players, period, right? So among those genuine prospects, he was still highly rated in terms of scoring. And I think he's looked uh certainly the best he ever has at the NHL level since coming up this time and uh i'm still pretty optimistic in him working out in the I'm, long term i'm with you would you okay let i'll ask you this last question for the segment would you be okay with um, a left side of hughes oel rathbone next season um i mean no <laughs> uh i mean sure i would be because next season is not the be all and end all when it comes to you know making the playoffs or anything like that yeah. so ultimately i would be um I don't think Rathbone is probably ready for the top four yet, if ever. Like he does, well, I don't know if I'd say ever, but definitely maybe not yet. And uh, I don't think OEL is made for the top four anymore. Mm. And, uh, you know, talk, it can talk about the glimmer in his eye all he wants, but I don't uh, I don't predict that comeback story is going to come to fruition, personally speaking. Yeah. So I, I still would, uh, I'm very big on, I think the team, the, the two missing pieces are a another top four right-hander and another top four left-hander. And I think you ultimately will end up splitting Hughes and Hronik and giving them each another partner. But, I agree. Uh, yeah. 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 But if it's next year, then who cares? I could live with it. <laughs> if if OEL is still around next year. Right, right. Intent. Well said. Well, let's leave everyone on that cliffhanger. So we'll bring an end to the segment. We'll take a two-second pause so I can insert an ad later for the podcast, and then we'll get into the second segment. Okay, Stefan, so before we press record or press go live, you were telling me, telling me about your next article that you're pretty excited about. Uh, instead of a spoiler, we'll call this a bit of a preview. What are you working on that you're allowed sure, to sure. say right now? Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm writing a little bit, uh, well, when I say, right, I have like two sentences written down in a notepad right now. So don't, uh, don't think I'm doing too much extra homework here. Uh, but I definitely had it, had it jotted down that I wanted to write something about Brock Besser, uh, at some point this week, um, kind of hit me on the, on the sentimental front that it might be his final week as a Canuck and he's, he's had a, a pretty good run. And so I, uh, wanted to take a run at, uh, 
summing that all up and kind of maybe putting a cap on his Canuck story if that is what ends up being the case. Yeah, and before we get into maybe the angle you may take or the angles, do you, if you're a betting man, do, would you bet on him not being with the team next season? Yeah, I think that I, I mean, if you look at just the sheer number of wingers that are going to need uh, space next year, um, you've got to have Pod Colson up with the team and, and ideally in the top six. Uh, I think you've got to have Hoaglander up with the team. He's he's waiver eligible soon enough, so you, you kind of need to. Um, then you've got, uh, you know, Kravtsov still in the mix. Uh, you, you've got all these different players. McKayev's coming back. Um, there's just no room. And then you've got this kind of trio of Besser, Garland, Beauvillier. <laughs> I think one of them is gone for sure. And I think probably two if they can swing it. I yeah. think Beauvillier may end up being the last person standing under that. Yeah, that's a good point, and and the I presume the reason why you kind of lump them together is just the money. There, one Bovillier is making four two, Garland's just making under five, Bester making six six. That's a lot of money. That's a, and I don't call them, I won't say they're redundant players. That 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 kind of sounds almost disrespectful. But you're right. You name all the young guys of Kratzov, Podkolz, and Hoglander, then Kuzmenko, Mikheyev already. There's five. And then these three, that's already eight guys that you could argue are battling for six spots. So yeah, you do the math. That's maybe two that need to go. And then, you know, you can have them on and Joshua or, or anyone on, on your, your fourth mm-hmm. line. But yeah, that's a really, really good point. And you think that 6.65 over the next two more seasons is going to be tough? Do you have to sweeten that? Or do you just got to temper your expectations for what comes back? Ah, it's hard to say. Um, yeah. I mean, I previously I spoke about maybe even hanging on to Besser just on the old, you know, sell high, buy low kind of principle, and that he he was definitely selling low at that point. He has um, again. We talked about how consistent he was throughout the year, so I don't want to rebound is the answer, but he's certainly playing better mm-hmm. under talking. Maybe he's rebuilt enough trade value, but the the cap is tight all the way around, and they didn't work their way out of escrow this year, so it's going to be tight for at least another year. I think you, I think their best bet may be to weaponize retention a little bit and try to make him a more a more compelling contract and then at least get uh, a bit more capital back for him but uh, that remains to be seen I think yeah I think retention is probably going to be used uh, first on Myers if if he gets moved and then on Besser would be the top two targets for that do you have a limit um, as to how many you can retain Uh, three okay yeah and the Canucks currently have one and then that's uh, Horvat who will be done as of this year gotcha okay thank you for that you know it's interesting Besser's season Stefan is uh one might look at the goal total 17 now and say well that's not that good but his point per game of 0.78 is exactly like it's right on his career average so he's being just as productive as his career and you could argue uh, a more complete player now but I think a lot of people um unless they get into numbers or simply just observe and and look past the goal total they might not see that yeah totally i mean he is he came into the league as a goal scorer and and a sniper type and so anytime you look and he's under 20 goals he he might still crack 20 goals on the season like that's that's still entirely possible at the rate he's currently scoring yeah um but you mentioned his his points per game is at his career average his assist per game is higher than it's ever been right. uh, throughout the season. So as a playmaker, he's, he's never been better. And that's more of a complete game. I think sometimes we get a little too tied to certain narratives with players. Um, 
oftentimes, you know, I, gosh, I could go way too deeply into this. We, uh, go for it. We've got such a, okay, I'm, I'm going deep. We've got such a fast fascination with the draft, right? We, we, I think maybe this is a Canadian culture thing. We love the draft. Um, we love watching the little TSN and, and Sportsnet profiles and, and Bob McKenzie coming in going, this guy's the next. Uh, it was making the rounds today where they were saying, you know, Elias Pedersen, he could top out as a Paul Stastny type, yes. you know, whoa, wow, imagine that. Um, and so you you hear these narratives about a player in a quick little blurb on TSN when they're drafted, you know, as 18-year-olds. And then that's, that narrative kind of sticks a lot of the time, right? And this is how we ended up with Bo Horvat being seen as this, as this two-way uh, Patrice Bergeron-esque player when that wasn't really a reputation that he'd earned until much, much later in his NHL career, if at all. And so I think Besser has had this reputation of being a, a one-dimensional, uh, people use the word soft, sniper type. And I don't know that that's ever been the case. And I, I, I certainly don't think that it has been as he's progressed as a player. Um, uh, I know it, a year, a season or two ago, he was somewhere in the top 10 for board battle win percentages in the NHL. I don't know if you saw this. I think it was two seasons ago when he when he mm-hmm. led the team in scoring. So he was one of the best puck battlers, uh, you know, along the boards. And if, if you had told that to someone just on the street, hey, uh, you know, Brock Besser's one of the best board guys in the NHL, they would have thought you were losing your mind, right? Um, so these, I don't know, sometimes these narratives, I've said it before that I think people hate him because he's pretty. And uh, that's not entirely unserious when I say that, you know, like he's uh, he's a handsome guy with, with long flowing blonde hair. And uh, maybe it's easy to paint him into a narrative of being, you know, one dimensional or, or concerned more with offense than defense when uh, the way he plays doesn't really match that perspective. Well, no, I, well, as you talk, as you go deep and talk about this more, Stefan, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this piece. Uh, obviously, you talked about the sentimental part. So we know the story about um, not only getting to this team, but really the, the sad passing and the health problems of his father, Duke. Uh, do you think overall change in scenery? Well, I think the, the answer is probably yes, but would a change in scenery be good for him or, or is, can he actually still be productive, good here, but maybe that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, sure he can, but maybe the, the, the contract is still one that you need to move. So kind of a, a all over the place question is, is maybe a, a comment on, yeah, would a change of scenery be good for him and help him get over those, they're not demons, but just simply everything that he's had to go through. Or is that, that going to happen? That could happen here as well. I don't know. I want it to happen here, but I don't know yeah. if it will. I mean, it's hard to say on the emotional side, right? Yeah. Like th- these things are so, yeah, everyone experiences these sorts of emotions differently. Like it's uh, not to put too fine a point on it, but it did somewhat bother me that there was this much uh, of a narrative from fans in the media this year that like, um, you know, because Duke Besser's illness, you know, had, had reached its unfortunate conclusion that, you know, Besser was kind of past this, uh, you know, awful segment of his life and could, you know, could could move on and focus on hockey as if, the loss of a, a father is not this this horrible tragedy that, that's surely going to continue to affect him a long time thereafter, right? And everyone mm. grieves differently. And so it's, I think there was this expectation that he would be playing as if he had this weight lifted from his shoulder. And I don't think I had that same expectation. Like, it's just, you know, it's it's a hard thing to try to put yourself inside someone else's shoes on. Yeah. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, another another setting could help him get away from, maybe some of those 
feeling sure. But then on the other hand, he's probably got a pretty good support network in Vancouver, right? And we know that he's he's really close with a lot of the players. And mm-hmm. so it's hard to say. It could maybe get him away from the expectations that uh, have defined him so far in his career might be the best way that it's a fresh start for him. That's an excellent point. You know, that's a really good... I'm really glad you mentioned that, Stefan, because I, I, I likely was one of those people who maybe made a made a almost a flippant presumption that yeah because the yeah because he, he duke actually passed that maybe it would it would be better for besser from a production standpoint but yeah that might mean a little bit too yeah um almost not putting enough significance into that loss and and the emotional and mental um, struggle that someone would go through losing a family member that's you know I, i'm really glad you brought that up i'm really glad you brought that up so and he's even come out and said that it's been a very tough year for him emotionally hasn't he yeah yeah he he has and it's and it's uh, you know it's not just that of course it's all these injuries that he's had to overcome and the the false start where he had a uh, his his you know he had the hand injury and then he played a few games and it literally burst back open which is like a very good metaphor of uh Brock Besser's career at one point this is a little inside baseball for you um I think after that after either the first or second injury um I got a a message from David Quadrelli saying uh can you write this article and then sometimes he'll just give me a title and and ask me to spin on it and it was a brief history of Brock Besser not being able to ever catch a freaking break I think was the uh the proposed title and it's it's true right like I think in all his time in Vancouver he's started the season healthy uh once out of six runs at it or something like that it's something along those lines right where it's just uh barrier after barrier after barrier so again where people would call him you know soft or or something like that he's overcome a great amount of of difficulty uh far more than the average player i'd say and and he kind of kept uh kept smiling throughout it all have you always been a fan of besser stefan or is it something that happened recently or you've always liked him no, no, I, I've definitely always liked him. I think if uh, if you followed the team through the kind of darker post-2011 days, um, you know, Horvat arrived first, but Besser was the first to kind of, I don't know, really spark that hope that there might be brighter days ahead, you know, where he came in uh, after his college career and, and scored however many uh, goals in his brief little audition and then uh, started taking off as a rookie. It was, uh, yeah, no, he, I think he, he kickstarted the the new era in a very positive way. So yeah, I'll definitely always have some positive feelings for him on that regard. That's a great point. I remember even making comparisons of could Horvat and Besser be the next Sedins? Like I remember even, I yeah. right, good thing I did a whole vlog about it, but yeah, I remember having those kind of sentiments and that's a really good point too about the draft because the prior year, 2014 was Jake Vertanen. So we did Horvat in 13, Jake Vertanen in 14. And even back then people weren't sure if that was the best pick. We know what's happened since. And then, yes, back on track 2015 with, with Besser, then off the track again 2016 with Yolevi. And then, then you go PD Hughes, Pot Coles, and not yeah. bad. Yeah, after that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a really, really yeah. good point. All right. So we got that. When So I, I know you just got two lines on a notepad right now. I don't know, like, for good writers like you, how quickly it is. Does that mean, yeah, two lines now? Ha ha ha. It'll be up on Tuesday, or is this a two week thing? Or I don't know how often they make you write. Oh. <laughs> Um, you know, Tuesday might be a bit much. Uh, I think Wednesday is when this one is expected, actually. Oh, so actually wasn't that Yeah, far I think 
Yeah, you know, I think I pre-planned the headline to uh, start with entering what could be his final week as a Canuck. So I think I do have to wait until it is technically his final week or potential final week, which I think is Wednesday. So right, right, right. Yeah, because the Canucks don't want to jump the headline. <laughs> yeah, and, and and potentially his last week and a half, it just doesn't look as good. I guess on a headline. No, no, too wordy. Um, hey, on, on that note, sorry, total uh, sidebar yep. here, but on the sentimental uh, side of things, occurred to me today that it it may uh, have been Alex Edler's last game in Vancouver today. You know, he's a soon-to-be 37-year-old pending UFA. Um, unfortunately, left the game with an injury, which, uh, again, is very, you know, almost symbolic of Edler's time with the Canucks. Yeah. You know, he... Uh, day late and a dollar short despite his best efforts many yeah. times. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, unfortunate if that is the, the last time he gets to skate on Rogers arena ice, but not uh, yeah. Kind of in keeping with his long-term Canucks narrative, unfortunately. Yeah. That's a really good point. Um, I don't know if you're watching at the very start cause he, he was in the starting lineup. So they did a close up on him and he's got the white, you know, hair and his goatee now. And, he yeah. just, and then he goes and flattens Quinn Hughes behind the net. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's very strange to see him look so old because, like, you know, you see every NHL player get old, but he's gotten grizzled. Like, you you see the years and the games on Alex Edler's face. He's got that kind of, like, broken smile and stuff now. And yeah. when I uh, when I really started following hockey very closely, it was actually right when the, the first lockout occurred. You know, that was when I was kind of getting old enough to really, truly follow it. And... Uh, uh, that was when Edler and Kessler and Burroughs and 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 all those guys were coming through on the Manitoba Moose. Yes. And so, you know, it's some part of me still sees, you know, young Alex Edler in my head as one of those first really formative Canucks memories. And that, uh, you know, now he's, uh, yeah, he, he doesn't look that way anymore. Yet another guy who came up during that time, Kevin Bieksa, he looks like he hasn't aged a day when you see him, see him on the panel. Oh yeah, Bieksa looks younger than his playing days somehow. I don't know what his secret is, but he yeah, he actually looks significantly younger. I think that's awesome. Okay, so um, I'm going to invite the the viewers now to put your questions in the chat. We'll get to two or three before Stefan goes. But as I give people a couple minutes to do that, the reason why I wanted Stefan on two weeks ago so badly was he wrote a really good article on Canucks Army. Uh, right after John Garrett announced his retirement. And it's always timely because we're now into the last, you know, half a dozen games of seeing him on the, at least the regional channels. Um, really quickly, Stefan, can you give a quick uh, just summary of what that article was and kind of the feedback that you got from it? Yeah, um, it was, uh, I was definitely in my feelings, you know, uh, it was a surprise announcement, which always gets you. And right when you're starting to run out of reasons to, care about the end of the Canucks season, there's a, a pretty powerful one. Right. And then, uh, you know, to hear short house, get a little choked up there. I was, I was definitely, you know, writing from the heart and, uh, you know, I thought a lot about, uh, just John Garrett's overall legacy as a, as a very positive influence. Right. I mean, there's a lot of talk these days about the, you know, less than savory personalities in the hockey world sometimes. Right. And that's, uh, well-earned, but, but John Garrett is by the very definition, uh, you know, a good old boy. He's been in the, in the league and around the league for half a century now, uh, one way or another. And, and, and he's this, you know, anecdotal story wizard, you know, and then sometimes guy who's been in around the NHL for 50 years and loves to tell funny stories is not a great combination, you know, in terms of, uh, 
non-problematic content. And yet here's John Garrett, you know, he's, he's never had to apologize. You know, he's never been anything less than like, uh, you know, inclusive in his messaging. Like he never, he never even toes that line of offensiveness. So, you know, in the, in the same league that we've got our, you know, Jack Edwards and, uh, those types that, uh, you know, scream into a microphone, uh, for a living to just have this, uh, and, and it's, and it's Garrett in the short house too, to have these two, you know, just nice, nice men that are genuine friends and model like positive male friendship on the air every night and are genuinely sweet with one another. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just this really nice thing. I think I said in there, the only time I can remember John Garrett ever having to apologize for something he said on the air was when he, uh, jinxed the Wonga Wongo shout out that one time. And, uh, it was one of those where, you know, if that's the, that's the worst thing you've done on the air, then that's a, that's a pretty good run. Mm-hmm. I said, I had, uh, I had suggested that he'd be put in the ring of honor. And most of the feedback I got was no, probably not that, but probably something else. Um, Jim Robson got a gondola. So, uh, you know, obviously a lot of people said a concession stand for John Garrett and, uh, he would probably love that, but, Surely there's something, there's something that they can name after John Garrett. I hope. Oh, that's, that's awesome. And uh, <laughs> I, I trust that the feedback was, uh, was constructive as opposed to, you just never, I don't know what it's like for you as a content creator. I know um, I'm very open to constructive feedback and disagreements, as long as it's rooted in an actual disagreement with what I say, as opposed to, you know, someone making fun of my looks or seeing a homophobic comment or like racist comment. So, yeah. so was the feedback generally pretty good? Those are the ones that were, that were disagreeing. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're not going to find uh, many out there that don't like John Garrett. Right. I, I don't think, at least I haven't encountered it. So I don't think there were many, there was one who um, it's funny you bring us up. There's one comment that really stuck out where he so uh, I say he because it's almost certainly a uh, man yeah. um, said something like, uh, oh, here you, you uh, another media guy trying to make yourselves the center of the story again. You're not on the ice media. You don't go in the ring of honor. And it, I, I replied in a way where I'm like, I'd like to be upset at your bitterness, but I realize you've just lumped me in uh, with John Garrett. You you like you're you're referring to you media types as me and also John Garrett and that's such an honor so I'm like you've accidentally like made me feel really proud about myself so uh, love it good try anonymous commenter you failed <laughs> anonymous commenter with no profile picture yes <laughs> exactly exactly right yeah, yeah so yeah I'm happy to be lumped into uh, any club with John Garrett at any time that is awesome and we have one question is. It's kind of cute, actually, from a very loyal, uh, a good friend of mine, a loyal viewer of this, Shannon. So she, you mentioned that you became a Canucks fan during one of the lockouts. So she was trying to guess your age. I don't know if you'll play this game. If, if I give you what she guessed, will you of course. Affir- will you go higher or low? Will you affirm it? Yeah, like you'll, you'll actually. Oh, play. yeah, for sure. For sure. She guesses 32. Ooh, uh, excellent guess, Shannon. Uh, you are very, very close. Uh, I am. I am just slightly older than that. Okay, very good. But certainly not yeah. as old as me. I'm 48, but that's why they call me the the Papa of YouTube, which is fine. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's, that's not a bad title to have. I'm in my I'm in my Henrik Sedin uh, year. Nice. I like to say so. Nice. Yeah. Well, that was a good guess, Shannon. For a little very, bit longer. Very good. That's awesome. Well, Stefan, this has been great. Thank you for sharing your insights on the game, uh, sharing your giving us a sneak peek into your next article for a Canucks Army. And once again, if you want to follow Stefan on his work, his full name uh, is his Twitter handle, Stefan Roger. Um, 
um, on Twitter and then uh, writing, like I said, regularly for Canucks Army. And do you have any big plans for the offseason? I know Canucks coverage is probably going to end the third week of April. So what happens after that for you? Uh, you know, that's kind of the... Uh, for some people, that's the offseason. That's my bread and butter. Like, I, I've always really enjoyed talking about the roster management and free nice. agency and, and that sort of stuff. So uh, I'm honestly kind of just spinning my wheels until then. And then I'm really excited to take – I think I'm going to take a good hard look at the at the defense market first and because uh, that's the big the big thing this offseason. And then uh, we'll go from there. That's uh, – yeah, that's where I, I actually almost prefer to work is in the offseason without all those, you know, distracting games and everything. <laughs> exactly yeah who wants to talk about those well thanks again man yeah. i look forward to consuming your content throughout the off season i i know a bunch of the viewers here will now that they've met you and man i would love to get you on my own channel then if, if i know that you really get into the the free agency the trades the draft all that kind of thing i would love yeah. to continue to connect with you in terms of content if that's cool of, of course you know you know clay like i, I talked about positive vibes from uh you know, Brock Besser and, uh, and John Garrett and all those folks. And, uh, I definitely include you in, in the mix too. You know, I've always appreciated your, uh, your, your ceaseless positivity <laughs> in, uh, you know, what's been a pretty dark era of Canucks hockey, if we're being totally honest here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You always put out the very good vibes and, uh, I appreciate that. So I was very happy to get the invite to you tonight. Thank you. It'll be all worth it. Once they're raising that cup, whether it's in my life team or yours, we will, we will remember this day. We'll remember this day. Well, thanks brother for, for joining me. Uh, what I'll do is I'll, I'll let you sign off. Um, and then I will uh, wrap up the show, uh, with a, with a couple of closer remarks. So once again, Stefan Roger, follow him on Twitter, read his stuff at Canucks army. And thanks once again for joining me tonight. Hey, thanks for having me anytime, pal. Thank you. All right. Talk soon. Thanks, bud. Bye. Bye. There we go. That was Stefan. He is awesome. Make sure you follow his his stuff, his work at Canucks Army. And like I said off the top, he's he's a bright guy. He's a very good communicator. And not yet or but. And um, his he writes in a way though that's easy to understand, easy to digest, and simply makes a lot of sense. So once again, I appreciate all of you for joining me. On your way out, make sure that you like this video there's only four likes in here but there's we got up to 20, 30 people in here so that ratio is not the best so like the video on your way out that will be awesome also make sure you subscribe to sdpn on this uh, this very channel and you can also subscribe to me i'm Canuck clay both on twitter and right here on youtube if you like connects content and you want more of it although many of you in here are regular viewers of me already as well i thank you I will be doing my own show two hours from now, starting at 10.30 Pacific on my own YouTube channel, continuing to break down this game and continuing to build community out here out west. So it might be late for some of you watching in the east. I'm just looking up the next show. The next game is the Seattle Kraken. It is Tuesday night, April the 4th. And it looks like that it will be Sam, Samantha Chang, hosting Game Over Vancouver on Tuesday night. So make sure you join her and the community at the conclusion of the Canucks Kraken game on Tuesday. So once again, thanks for being here. Always appreciate you. We never take you for granted. And the Canucks lose 4-1 to the LA Kings. Akito Hirose debuts and Elias Pettersson's point streak is snapped at 14 games. Thanks for joining. Tuesday night, Seattle Kraken, Canucks, Sam doing game over. 
So as always, stay safe, stay healthy, take care of yourselves, and take care of each other. And earlier today, I had someone, uh, I had a couple people actually call me self-centered, but that's enough about them. Take care and go Canucks go. Good night, everyone. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.